Let's turn in our Bibles to the passage of Scripture which we read, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and as God would help me, I'd like to concentrate on verse 31, or the last part of it anyway. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. We often find ourselves saying, do we not? Well, what does it really matter as long as people are converted? Isn't that the most important thing? That people are converted. Well, think about it. Actually, it isn't. The most important thing in the world is the glory of God. God began this world. God created this world. God created the universe. And he created everything he created for his glory, including you and me. Now make no mistake about it, God is glorified in the conversion of sinners. Make no mistake about that. But God is also glorified in their condemnation. The destruction of the wicked is to the glory of God. Think about it logically. If we, if, if our, if my conversion is the most important thing in the world, who is at the centre of my religion? Me. Religion isn't actually about us. Oh, we're implicated. Oh, we're involved. But wait a minute. Religion's about God. Religion's about the most supreme being that there is. The most important thing in the world is God, not us. We're very, very selfish by nature. And we are able to look after what we call number one. But listen, number one is God. He's the first being. I always think of a curate who was told by his bishop that he was to preach for the first time in front of him. And of course he got extremely nervous, extremely worried. And he said to the bishop, what will I preach about? And the bishop stared at him and said, you will preach about God. That's what it's all about. It's all about God. God is the first cause of everything. Everything is dependent upon God. God alone is truly independent. We talk about independence. We don't know what we're talking about. 
Only God is truly independent. Everything there is is dependent upon God. God is all powerful and the sole proprietor of everything that exists. God is never confused. You and I get confused with things. We're living in a very confused society. God is never confused. God is never surprised. You and I get surprised at things. Not God. God is never surprised. God is never alarmed at things. Never. God never gets worried. You and I get worried. You and I get alarmed. Not God. Never confused. Never surprised. Never alarmed. Never worried. And here's something else. God is never in a hurry. He's never rushed. He's never running late. Things are not behind schedule. Not with God. For you and me, yes. For the church, definitely. But with God. He's never running late. Never in a hurry. He does things swiftly. Oh, he does things quickly, but he's never rushed in a hurry. <coughs> God is never inconvenienced. Oh, we do get inconvenienced, don't we? Things happen that upset our agenda, inconvenience us. Nothing inconveniences God. Nothing ever goes wrong or malfunctions in heaven. Nothing. Do you remember on one occasion God spoke to Moses, you'll remember it, at the bush. And, God, and Moses asked God his name. You remember the answer. <coughs> I am that I am. God said, that's my name. I am that I am. Now, what did he mean when he said that? What did God mean when he said, I am that I am? Well, he meant several things. But essentially, he was saying, look, I am the ultimate. I am the ultimate person. I am the ultimate power. God does see God is not simply the most powerful person in the world. God is all power. All power resides in God but God distributes wherever he will. 
God is the ultimate wisdom. God is the ultimate in knowledge. God knows everything there is to know about everything that exists. Because God made it. And God made it the way it's made. God knows everything there is to know about everything there is. God is the ultimate truth. What is truth? Truth is what reconciles with God. God is the ultimate in holiness. God's holy. I am holy. I am truth. I am wisdom. I am knowledge. I am power. And God made everything for his own glory, including you and me. God made the galaxies, the number of galaxies, is terrifying. The number of galaxies. And then you look at a galaxy. And then you look at how many universes. It, it's, a, it's astonishing. It's frightening. God made the angels to glorify him. And actually to serve you and me if we're Christians. They're ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those of us who are heirs of salvation, heirs of heaven. God made everything on earth to glorify Him. That's why we are made to glorify God. Now it's time to ask the question, how do we glorify God? How can we fulfill the purpose of our existence? Your shorty catechism teaches you by glorifying God. So what does it mean to glorify God? <clears throat> Basically, to live for God. To honor God. You see, we cannot make God glorious. He is already glorious in the ultimate. God is transcendent and supreme in the superlative. We cannot add to it. We cannot make him glorious. But we must acknowledge that he is glorious. To glorify God is to give God his place as the supreme being. It is to acknowledge his transcendence over everything. His vast superiority over everything else. God is holy. God is good. 
God is unchangeable. Everything about God is great and good in the ultimate. And we have to lay hold of this. God is worthy of our total worship and adoration simply for who he is. God is worthy of our total worship and adoration for who he is in himself. How are we to add to that when we consider what he has done for us? If if God never forgave a sin, if God never saved a soul, God's vast superlative supremacy is worthy of our worship. However, there's something else to consider very seriously. There's bad news connected with this. And the bad news is that we have angered God. That God who is so holy, that God who is so good, we've angered him. And do you know how we've angered him? By not worshipping him. If you're not worshipping God, God has a controversy with you. And he is angry with the wicked every day. Ah, but you say, I'm not wicked. I'm a good husband. I'm a good employee. I'm not wicked. Now listen, who defines wickedness? The church? No. The minister? No. Who defines wickedness? God defines wickedness. Psalm 10, verse 4, gives us God's definition of the wicked. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek God. All his thoughts are, there's no God. Or, as other versions have it, God's not in all these thoughts. How often do you think about God? Are you seeking God? If you're not seeking God, God defines you as wicked. I'm sure you've all heard of Paul's sermon on the Areopagus on Mars Hill. Acts chapter 17. Remember he preached there in Mars Hill, the Apiariopagus, and God. He preached that wonderful sermon, and then he ends it all up by saying, um, But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Acts 
chapter 17, verse 30, if you want to check up. Acts 17.30 God commands all people everywhere to repent. That's at the conclusion of his sermon on Mars Hill. Read the sermon. It doesn't mention sin. In fact, it doesn't even mention the law of God. And yet he says, repent. So you're quite right asking the question, Paul, repent of what? He hasn't mentioned a sin. He hasn't mentioned the law of God. So what are they to repent of? Think about it. They are to repent of not worshipping God. The ultimate sin. Failing to fulfill the very purpose of your existence. Sin is defined as not glorifying God. We are familiar, I'm sure, with Romans 3.23. For all have sinned, and then we get the definition, and fall short of the glory of God. If you're not living for God, you're sinning, and you've failed completely to fulfill the purpose of your existence on earth. God placed human beings on planet earth to glorify him on planet earth. Don't worry, he's getting plenty of glory in heaven. He'll get all the glory due to him in heaven. Our responsibility is, is he being glorified on earth? Do you remember King Herod? I think I've mentioned it here before. King Herod, what in Acts chapter 12? Eaten of worms. Why? You know it. Those of you who know your Bible. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down. That's Herod on his throne. Because... He committed rape, mass murder. Why was he eaten of worms? Because he did not give God the glory. That same chapter, Acts chapter 12, begins by a record of how King Herod, the same king, killed James and went on to kill the to, to capture Peter, to kill him also in the morning. So he's allowed to murder the Apostle James and carry on living. But he's not allowed to continue living when he takes the glory that's due to God. That's worth thinking about seriously. Why was Moses the greatest leader of Israel? Why was he not permitted to enter the promised land? It's in Deuteronomy 32, verse 51. God said to him, you have to go up that mountain 
and die because, because you did not treat God as holy. Deuteronomy 32:51. Time to ask another question. How do we therefore glorify God? If that's the most important thing in the universe, hadn't we better find out what it means? How do we, human beings, fallen, responsible for bringing death, suffering, and the cost into the whole universe? Angus Spurgeon, who says, no wonder the lion roars when he sees a human being. We give him pain. We bring suffering to the animals because of our sin. No wonder the lion roars at us. Then he said, yea, no wonder the dog barks when he sees you. We're responsible for the very animals having pain and suffering. We brought the curse into the universe. How do we then glorify God? How can we do it? How is it possible? What's involved? I'll just mention three things. We glorify God only through Christ. You cannot glorify God except through Christ. Jesus is the... well. John 5.23 that all may glorify the Son just as they honour the Father. Whoever does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. We glorify God through Christ, through Jesus. If you're not interested in Jesus, you can't Glorify God and you cannot fulfill the purpose of your existence on earth. Jesus is the way to the Father. As he said clearly, no one comes to the Father except through me. In chapter 8 of John, he says, if you do not believe that I am he, By that meaning, if you do not believe that I am the way to the Father, you will die in your sins. If you do not believe, I am He. So the only way to glory the Father is through Christ. Secondly, the only way to glorify God is Through faith. Faith in Christ. It's not by being good enough. You can't be good enough. It's too late to be good enough. You've already done something wrong. Haven't you? I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't need to concentrate on that, do I? You You know you're not perfect. God is a perfect being. And requires absolute perfection from his creatures his moral creatures that's what he requires it's too late 
for you and me now to be absolutely perfect in our behavior, our thoughts, our minds, our demeanors. Too late. But there is a way through faith in Jesus. You see, the Bible says in Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please God. Do you want to get ahead? I go back to my children's story. You cannot go to heaven. You have to be taken to heaven. You have to be taken to heaven by Christ. By depending on him. By being able to say to him, to confess to him your sins, your inability, your filthiness, by confessing to him your sinnership, your sinfulness, by confessing to him and asking him to forgive you and take you to heaven. That's the only way you'll get. It's the only way I'm going. It's the only way your elders are getting to heaven. It's the only way your minister's going to heaven. It's the only way anyone can get to heaven. By depending on Jesus. Depending that he will take you. That when he died upon that cross, he was paying God for the sins of everyone who will depend on him and trust on him to take them. Christ is our only hope. And it's by faith in Christ. And the third thing is, you might say, well I, you see, there is all the difference between believing about Jesus and believing in Jesus. It's faith in Jesus that saves. I don't know if I've used the illustration before, but you say, look, I, I want clarification the difference between believing in someone and believing about someone. Well, I don't think we can give a better illustration at this point in our history than to speak of Boris Johnson. You all believe about him. I don't know how many of us believe in him. How many of us trust him? Believe he's doing what's right. That's the way we to treat Christ. Not just believe about him, but actually trust him and follow him and obey him. How do we glorify God? Christians glorify God by obeying Christ when it seems crazy. Obeying when no one else is obeying. Obeying Christ when it comes to filling in your tax form, applying for grants, filling in your expense accounts, not sleeping with your boyfriend or your girlfriend before you marry. You see, everybody does it. What pleases God? What glorifies God is the question. Not what does everyone else do. But what does God want? What is Christ? What is Christ worth? He died for me. He's worth pleasing. 
He's worth obeying. Our time is up. Two things in conclusion. As we've said already, glorifying God is what we were born for. And none of us will ever be fulfilled. None of us will ever be happy. Truly happy. Joyful. None of us will find the meaning of life and be satisfied until we do what we were born to do. You see the birds. The birds. You know, I'll be honest, I, I, I hate thunder and lightning. I get kind of nervous. And it always amazes me when the storm is over. You hear the birds chirping in the trees. Flying about. It's this for sort of saying, I'm not frightened of our maker. We're doing what he asked us to do. Fly around. The fish swims in the sea. That's what he was made for. But you and I, made to serve God, and we do our own thing instead. We listen to others. Last thing I'll say is this. And it's very important. In fact, it's a summary of the whole thing, I hope. You and I, with all our sins, with all our shame, with all our guilt, with all our unworthiness, we can glorify God more by repenting and turning to Christ than if we kept the whole law of God perfectly all our lives. Oh, you see, I, I don't believe that. That's precisely the problem, friend. That's precisely the problem. You don't believe. You don't think much of Christ. And God thinks a lot of him. He said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I, God the Father, am well pleased. If you do not repent and believe in Christ, you will perish. And God will be glorified in your condemnation. But, but, if you do repent, and if you do trust Christ with your salvation, God gets more glory than if you lived perfectly all your life. That's the gospel. Isn't that amazing? In all our sinfulness, we can give God more glory than if we lived perfectly all our lives, if we repent of our past lives and depend on Christ to take us to heaven. May God the Holy Spirit make his word, his truth, effectual to every one of us. Let's bow our head in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we pray that you would take the things of Christ and make them ours so that we would glorify you by repenting of our past lives and turning in faith and confidence and dependence upon your Son 
that when he died upon that cross, he bore our sin away. And we humans can now glorify you. Hear us in mercy. Answer us in peace. As we pray only in Christ's name and for Christ's sake. Amen. Now we'll conclude our service of worship <coughs> by singing from Psalm 96 in the Sing Psalms version of your blue book. Now that is page 122. Page 122. It's Psalm, sorry, 127. Psalm, sorry, page 127. It's Psalm 96a. It's a common meter version. You'll know the tune. Psalm 96a. It's at verse uh, 7. All nations to the Lord ascribe the glory that is due. Glory and strength ascribe to God and praise his name anew. And we'll sing down to the last verse. They all will sing before the Lord who comes to judge the earth. He'll judge the world in righteousness, the peoples in his truth. Psalm 96a at verse 7 on page 127. All nations to the Lord ascribe the glory that is due. All nations to the Lord ascribe the glory that is true. Glory and strength ascribe to
And the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, now and forevermore. Amen.